Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Okay, James, it's been a few weeks since we recorded a podcast. I looked, it was like May 24. And guess what? Nothing really. Well, I shouldn't say nothing has happened. Some stuff has happened. But Well, what's what's supposed to happen between May 24th and June 16th other than playing the second and third round of the playoffs? I mean, stuff could happen. Like the offseason is in effect for most teams. They there well, is the Leafs are working on stuff behind the scenes. They just nothing's done yet. All right. They're laying the they're laying the groundwork for a big off season. Yes. Uh, well, so there is stuff to talk about. We got a lot of questions to get to in the pod bag. Um, I just want to get some. I've got some good intel, Jonas. I think I could probably just break a little tiny tidbits on this show too, because I don't know if I'm going to write them or not, or maybe I should save them for an article. I don't know. You tell me. You've already spoiled it. You have to say what they are. So just <laughs> let's. We'll start with that. I have a whole list of things. Well, I'll just we can sprinkle them in through the show. As, as we get in to start talking about stuff, I'll sprinkle some things in through the show. Are you going to remember? Oh yeah, because you're not like a writing down, remind yourself kind of guy. You'll remember I got my notebook. I Do got you? my notebook right, right. Uh, yeah, I, I've started using a notebook, so I, I have. Wow. Welcome to the club. Have, You'll love it. I have, I have things written down, not specifically for this show, but just in general. All right. Well, so I'll go through some of the things that I want to discuss with you, and then we can get to, well, you'll sprinkle your tidbits in when they become relevant, uh, and then we'll get to the pod bag. Uh, I want to start with, with Jack Campbell, just because that's topical for me. I just wrote about him. Um, so it doesn't sound like there's much going on. Uh, the Leafs have talked to his agent a few times, not, not a lot, nothing substance, substantive 
in my opinion. Like they haven't talked numbers or anything like that, according to his agent, uh, Kurt Overhart. Does that surprise you or, or do you just think there are a lot of reasons why you don't need to get this done right away? It doesn't surprise me because everyone that I've heard from doesn't think he's coming back and doesn't think they're going to be able to find common ground and get something done. So that's why it doesn't surprise me that there haven't been major talks. I mean, maybe something changes at the last minute, but, you know, the more I think about this one and the more I look at the landscape around the league, I just, it feels like to me that Campbell's going to get a bigger offer than the Leafs are going to want to give him. There's going to be some team that's willing to give him a higher AAV and more years than the Leafs. And if you're Jack Campbell and you've only made, hasn't he's only made like four million or something in his career, five million, like not a lot of money because he, you know, it took him a long time to establish himself. You can't really turn down six or seven or eight million dollars. And I think that he'll be able to get that somewhere else. So that's the, the that's one part of this that I think is really interesting. I I don't see a lot of teams that need goalies. Um, but there are some, like Edmonton clearly needs a goalie. Um, you could say Detroit, you could say New Jersey, you could say Washington for sure needs a goalie. Um, and all you're going to need if you're Campbell's camp is one. So that's one side of this. Like if you're Campbell, you might think you can get more from someone else. And then there's the, the question of should the Leafs want to be the team that pays him? Like one of the things that I'm wondering is like, if it's not Campbell, who is it? And you and I are, are working on something for next week about some of the guys that they could go after. It's not like it's like this amazing group that you could look at and say, well, clearly there's X number of guys who are way better than Campbell. That's the only part of this that I, that makes me a little uncertain. It's like if you're not bringing back Campbell, and I, I, I understand why you might not want to. Uh, especially for the potential price. But then, like, what are you doing in goal, I guess, would be the follow-up. Like, I think on the open market, Campbell gets at least four years and at least... You think so? I'm not so sure. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot of other goalies that in similar... Well, you're going to point to Linus Allmark, who got four years or five... Did he get four years? Yeah, he got four years, $5 million cap hit. Cal Peterson got three years, $5 million cap it. So yeah, like there are comparables to suggest that he will get that, right? I, I just think that's surprising. I think there's going to be one, like you said, all it takes is one team. And what it'll come down to is if Campbell really, I think Campbell does want to stay in Toronto. He does, but yeah, for sure. Let, let, let's say the Leafs offer is three years at $4 million, which I think is a fine and a fair offer. But if he's getting offered four and a half over four years or five years, the math doesn't add up, right? It's just too much more money than what... Yes. Like, he he can't turn down... He can't turn down six and a half million dollars or whatever it is on what might be his only substantial contract as an NHL player. Like, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, well, it's not like he's super young. Like, he's 30... He'll be 31, I think, in January. He's not, like... He needs to make this money now. Um, I guess what I'm a little surprised at, it doesn't sound like they've even gotten that far, which makes me think that what you're saying is true, that they're not really inclined to bring him back because like, wouldn't you be discussing that kind of stuff? Like, wouldn't, maybe they are like, this is just, just what they say doesn't necessarily mean it's exactly the truth. Um, But maybe they're, they've just decided they're not going to bring him back. Like maybe, 
I mean, there's enough. There's a case, James, like you can make the case to bring him back and you can make the case that you should not bring him back. Like, which do you think is stronger, the case to bring him back or the case not? I think what the Leafs are doing right now is looking around the league at all of the trade options and all of the free agent options and really weighing yeah. where they where they feel like, like, can they find someone who's going to be better? Can they find someone who's going to be cheaper? Can they find someone who's going to be both? Can they find two goalies who they feel like are going to be better than what they had last year? They're evaluating every single option around the league. Now, maybe there's a circling back. Maybe Jack Campbell goes to free agency and it turns out that Billy Huso and, uh, and Darcy Kemper get the big jobs in free agency and get the, get the money. And then there's Campbell's got to decide between going to an undesirable location for somewhat similar money or coming to Toronto for a little bit less. And then maybe the, the conversation will come back again. But, you know, I, you and I were talking about this. We were just chatting back and forth a couple of days ago. And the thing with that, notion of like waiting till free agency and whatever the Leafs have to go in with a plan right and they have to start trying to execute on that plan and you know if Campbell's not the name at the top of their list they might end up with somebody else well and you could get into like a musical chair situation where you end up with someone you always do with goalies in the free agency right like it's always there's always stuff moving around and some team loses like Edmonton lost last year they've lost the last couple years like they tried to sign Markstrom Edmonton's tried to to shore up their goaltending position and, they, and they've been stuck with the leftovers and it's a tough spot to be at that position. Yeah. And so that's, what's so hard about uh goaltending and trying to figure this thing out is like I mentioned before, like you look out there and you're like, Oh my God, like who's actually definitively better than Campbell. But you could also make the other argument, like who is Campbell like definitively better? Like, could you go into next season and say, I don't know, like Casey DeSmith, who is like? Why, has been, why do you keep saying that? Guy? I, I'm just like, picking like he's random. like a 30 year old guy. He like he was the number three goalie in Pittsburgh. Okay, so you pick a guy. Just pick up pick a random like middle of the road kind of guy. Does it have to be someone who's a free agent? No, pick whoever you want. I don't know, like a anti Ranta or something. Okay, like, so, so you know, well he's signed, but let's just let's use him as an example. Can well, you say, let's like, say you could trade for him? Okay, can you say definitively that that Jack Campbell is going to be better than? anti-renta next year no right like you probably but like not like that's what's so hard like i don't i think you could end up with you could re-sign jack campbell or you could get like two lower cost goalies and you might be able to get the same caliber of goaltending and yet that's a really scary prospect to like hand your crease and your cup hopes over to like two random guys you know well, what i mean can you imagine the heat they'll take if they sign two cheaper goalies that 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 don't perform i mean it'll be that'll that won't play very well in this market given the the stakes in this upcoming season well and it could cost them like their jobs right like it this is such a huge decision and like yeah i'm glad i'm not betting my job this next season on which two goalies i want to sign because predicting we tried to do this last year where we went through and we picked which goalies we liked and it's it's not easy you know i think we did okay but we had a couple misses well the big miss was uh chris dreger in seattle yeah. and he like he didn't have a great year he didn't have a long track record like he was a wild card um i think we had flurry number one and he was not mm. great, but like he's wasn't Kemper number one. No, I don't think so. I think I guess because of was the acquisition three. cost. Yeah, right. And he was costly. Like he cost Colorado 
man, like Colorado. What did he cost him? I think Connor Timmons, first, like a first round pick. First round pick. Yeah. Yeah. And, then, and you know what, James? Like, it's funny. I, I keep getting reminded of this watching the playoffs with Colorado and Tampa specifically, Tampa especially. When you can develop like really good prospects, having that ammunition in trades is just such a weapon. Like, you look at some of the guys that they got at the trade deadline, like, it's just like such an underrated thing. Like not just that you have the prospects coming to your team, but that you can trade them in other deals and make your team better in the present. Anyway. Yeah. The thing Tampa did that's really interesting is they traded for guys that had really low cap hits that they could easily fit in like, like Paul and, and Hagel. And that was part of why the acquisition cost was so high. Say for a Hagel was because his cap hit was so low. Yeah. But like the benefit, yeah, and he's signed for next year, and then after that, he's an RFA. Like, that's one thing, not one thing, one among many things that they've done is a lot of the guys that they trade for are controllable. Like, Nick Paul is not. Um, but, like, even going back, I think McDonough had extra years on his contract when they traded for him, and then they signed him. Anyway, we're going, yeah. down, we're going down a rabbit hole. Like, um, well, it is June 16th. I think we can go down some rabbit holes today. <laughs> Good. We got we got plenty. So is there any more anything else you want to mention or talk about on the Jack Campbell front? I don't think it's impossible that he comes back. I would say I think it's unlikely. I would put it I think right now I feel like it's at about like a 15% chance. Well, that reminds me. So one thing I did want to mention on this and I think that's 15 is low to me. But yeah, you may be right. Um, one part of this is uh, Chris Johnson reported last week that, that Steve Breer is not coming back as goalie coach. He'd been around for a while. And if I were running the Leafs, I would kind of want to figure out what I'm going to do with that position, with the goaltending department as a whole. And maybe you want to let that person you know, have some influence on what they think of Jack Campbell, right? Like you, you kind of want to know what your head of goaltending thinks of Campbell before you sign Jack Campbell. No? Well, I wonder if they're going to build a department. Like some teams have been doing that where they have someone who's almost like a director of goaltending ops or whatever the title that Florida gave Luongo. And and the Islanders have something similar with Mitch Korn where you have multiple goalie experts in the organization. And now the Leafs have usually had two, right? One at the NHL level and one at the AHL level, which is which is good, which is ahead of some teams. But it's such an important position. And the thing I always say about goaltending, and one of the things I learned with writing in depth about goaltending, you know, 10 years ago when I was doing a lot of stories about why Canada wasn't producing goaltenders, uh, goaltending is a different sport. The goaltenders are not playing hockey. <laughs> they're, they're doing something else. They're doing something completely different. So everything that they do and the way you coach them and everything is completely different. And part of the reason why Canada's had a hard time developing goalies is they haven't approached it that way. They've too often they haven't had dedicated goalie coaches on like youth teams and things like that. And there's just been a head coach who doesn't know anything about goaltending who's like, yeah, yeah, you go in the net and we'll shoot on you. But it's a it's a completely different position. So I think the Leafs investing more in 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 their their staff and kind of how they look at the position i think makes a lot of sense because what they've been doing to date hasn't really worked out great well you're right like it's such a, a crucial position and it's kind of like it almost feels like a little bit of an inefficiency that there isn't more staff i guess dedicated to goaltending it's such a hard position to project like it reminds me a lot of 
quarterbacks in the NFL. Like it's kind of like voodoo. Like how do you know anything? And yet there are teams like that that seem to have it figured out. Like Nashville, uh, Tampa, obviously the Rangers. Like they just always seem to have like a stud. Islanders have Islanders have done pretty well with their goaltenders lately. But I mean, you know, Mitch Corn's there. He's like he's considered like Yoda of, of goalie coaches. So well, so I I will spoil a little bit what we're writing for next week. I think the guy who makes the most sense is Varlamov. Yeah. I don't mind that at all because it's one year. It's not that big of a cap hit. Yep. The Islanders are going to look to shake things up and open up some cap space. I don't know that the acquisition cost is going to be that high. Well, goalies, James, just on that point, goalies never seem to cost very much in trade, but continue. Well, one year left and he makes 5 million and... I've said that to, uh, I was talking to Kevin Kurzer, Islanders writer, a couple of weeks ago, and I said I thought that maybe Varlamov would make sense in Toronto, and I think that's certainly an option that they should look at. Yeah, I just like the lack of commitment. I think he's good. I think you could pair him with, like, I don't know, someone else who's decent. That The, the other thing is, like, you're, you're going to end up being, you're going to end up paying more for goaltending next year, potentially, likely than they were last year, which is something to factor into the whole puzzle. Anyway. Yeah, well, three three 3.8 plus 1.6 is what they paid last year. So it's pretty hard to spend less than 5.45 yes. million on goaltending. So, yeah, I mean, I think 5 million is the upper limit for what you want to spend on a goalie. I mean, in an ideal world, if you make that trade with the Islanders, you try and get them to retain some of that. Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, maybe maybe Jonas, you give them an asset to retain half of it. Yeah, that's can. interesting, James. That's actually a really then, good point. Then Varlamov at two and a half million or three million is like okay. Now you're now you got something going on. Yeah, I like that idea. I never thought of that. Hmm. Um, well, that that kind of brings me into the next thing I want to talk about briefly. Um, Scott Powers and I just wrote about not just, but we wrote about uh, the Blackhawks being a team potentially that the Leafs could unload Peter Mrazek. Uh, and his contract. Does that make any sense to you? Like how much would you pay? I think we discussed this at one point, but like I ended up around like a second round pick and maybe like a B-level prospect to unload Mrazek. Does something like that strike you as okay? I mean, I don't know what the price is going to be. I haven't, I should probably talk to some other teams about what they think. That's kind of a really unusual trade. Like I can't think of another example of a team needing to trade a goalie who makes 3.8 million for two more years who had who's had two poor seasons like what is that worth in a trade i don't really know yeah like there i can't think of a comparable example so you know i've seen people say that you know when remember when the leafs had to get rid of the last year of patrick marlowe's contract and trade it to carolina and they bought it out you know i've seen people say that was too much but the Leafs were facing a situation where they were at the draft. That was the only team that was willing to do it, wanted a first round pick. And it was either take that offer or keep Marlowe and they bit the bullet. So it, it really depends what other teams out there are willing to take Morazic for. And I think that if you're a team like Chicago or even I think a team like Buffalo or something where like you're not going to win the cup next year, you can afford to take a chance on a goalie, like Mrazek might be okay. Well, what do you care? Like they're rebuilding, right? Like they they need a goalie. They have no goalies signed, I don't believe. So if you're Buffalo and you can get a second round pick in Mrazek and I don't know, maybe you can like send Toronto a bad contract that they can bury in the minors or whatever, something. Maybe it makes sense, you know, like it's, you don't really have a lot to lose. 
Or what they could do, Jonas, is they could find a team like Chicago, and Chicago can just buy the guy out. But I mean, like, they may as well keep him, right, and just have him play. Like, they need, they don't have a goalie. And they're not going to be good. But yeah, well, what do you think about that versus the buyout for the Leafs? Do you think, like, what would you rather do, buy him out and carry that cap hit, or pay, let's say, a second-round pick and a prospect? I think you got to do the the trade. I mean, the, the problem with the buyout is it's four years of a cap hit. And it's not like the biggest cap hit, but it's not nothing either. Yeah. Now, I don't- Gary, did, did you see Gary Bettman said before game one of the cup final that the cap's going to start going up a lot more? Yeah. I, I I wanted to ask you about that. Why the hell does he do his press conference right before the biggest game of the season? How does that make any sense? I don't know. When do they do it in other sports? Do you know? Not before game one of the NBA finals. I don't believe. I should check that. I don't believe. Well, the funny thing is he should pick a day when nothing's going on. Yes. People would actually People would actually like write about it and talk about what he says because, you know, I know because we, we were coordinating our coverage yesterday for The Athletic and it was like, oh, Bettman's talking. It's like, Okay. Well, if he says something, maybe we'll do something. And like, I think we did a thing on on how he said the schedule is going to be back to normal and the cap's going to, the revenue's at a record number or something, which is like fine. But we didn't really do a whole lot with it. And I don't think a lot of outlets did a whole lot with it because, you know, we have four writers at, at the cup final and like they've got other things to do than, than yes. that on that day. Okay, so I just looked. James Adam Silver did his before game one too. So maybe I, I still think that's insane. Like it's so <laughs> the, stupid. The NHL is probably just copying the NBA, right? Yes. Well, I mean, like they were they're run by a guy who worked in the NBA or worked for what? David. Why Stark. wouldn't Batman do it the day before and then like the story can yes, be like right? You know, like and then that can be like the news cycle that it gets dominated. I mean, I don't. know. Maybe he doesn't want to be in the news cycle. I don't know. Silly. Uh, what else is on my list before we get to the fan or the, the fan bag, the pod bag? Oh, I wanted to talk to you about uh, a story you wrote. Um, I think it was like a week and a bit ago. Uh, just about it was last. It was last Friday. It was at so the combine. So you were at the combine. Six, yeah, and you know you, you mentioned a couple of the RFAs that they have. The Leafs have to sign Pierre Engvall, and Andre Kasha. Do you think those are going to be more difficult than? maybe is perceived yes that was kind of that was what i came away from the combine so the the combine uh i think people know what the combine is right where the draft it was they had like 65 of the top draft prop prospects in buffalo and normally i don't go to it but we had a bunch of our staff there and i was like well i'll go down and i'll have lunch and i met our new buffalo writer that we we just hired matt fairburn and we we had lunch and that that was great but i you know, one of the things that I picked up on there was a lot of teams, including the Leafs, were meeting with some of the big agencies. Uh, and one of the agencies, the Leafs, that Kyle Dubas and Brandon Pridham spent time with in Buffalo was CAA. Uh, and, you know, the, the Leafs have a bunch of CAA clients. Uh, I believe Riley, Kerfoot, Tavares. Tavares. Yeah. Looking um, at it, I guess Camp, Kasha. Camp is one. Yeah, I, I didn't. Who's who's? I don't, he's, he's the so, same uh, as Bear. Uh, he's Kasha, JP. Bear. So anyway, uh, apparently they were talking about Andre Kasha down in in Buffalo, and the reason why they were talking about him is they have to decide whether they're going to give him a qualifying offer before the deadline. A qualifying offer deadline is uh, two days before free agency opens, so it's July eleventh. Uh, 
in order for the Leafs to decide that, they need to know what he's expecting in terms of salary and if they can get him signed because – and it's the same thing with Engvall too. I think Engvall probably is easier to get done just because his arbitration case is a little bit simpler. Both Engvall and Kasha have arbitration rights and, you know, and in talking to some agents around the league, they said, you know, the problem with Kasha is he's had some really good seasons in the past and if you go to arbitration, you don't know – what the arbitrator is going to going to think of of Kasha, you know, he's a guy who's been hurt a lot, but he's also pretty clearly a a good player, and he's played a lot of games in the NHL, and that could be one where the arbitrator's like, you know, what he looks at around the league at at other players like Kasha, and is like, this guy's worth like two and a half plus million dollars, and I think that's quite a bit more than the Leafs want to spend on him. Well, so the the qualifying offer for Kasha and Engvall is one point two five million. Um, how much do you think? I mean, yeah, but that doesn't matter though, Jonas. It doesn't matter what the number is. No, I'm just saying, just like obviously they'll qualify these guys. Um, no, but th- that's what I'm saying. They obviously might not qualify them. But because if you if you qualify Kasha that or Ingval, that means they have the arbitration rights and it can go to arbitration. Yeah, but you can walk away from arbitration. No, you can't. No, you can't. Oh, because if you give you the only- right, if you give the qualifying offer. No? If you give the qual if, if if you give the qualifying offer, the player has the right to opt for arbitration. If they go to arbitration, you can't walk away unless it's over four and a half million dollars. Neither of those guys is going to get more than four and a half million dollars. So right. you're stuck with whatever, whatever the reward is. So the lead, this is why they're talking to Kasha and Angval's camp now because they need to know can they get them signed before the qualifying offer deadline? Because if they can't, they have to decide whether they're going to do it or not. I think with Kasha, they probably wouldn't qualify him. And what they would do is if, if they can't get him signed before the qualifying offer deadline, they don't qualify him. He goes to unrestricted free agency. The Leafs try and sign him there and try and like see if – Now, the thing that I was told is that Kasha really wants to come back. And I mean, his best friend is David Kampf. And like, I think Kasha will take less, but it's the same thing as Campbell. Kasha's like missed out on a lot of income for a different reason because of all the injuries. If he can go to free agency after the season he had and some team's going to give him, I don't know, what would a team, maybe some team will give him a two-year deal or a three-year deal for $2 million a year. If you're him, maybe you're like, I should probably do this as opposed to taking one year at low money from the Leafs. Yeah, that's a good point. I, n- I hadn't thought of that. Um, hmm. I'm not sure what I would do. Well, I mean, what the Leafs are going to do is like, here's what we can do, you know, like, here's what we're willing to offer you. And then Kasha has to decide, do I want to take this and like gamble on my health? Or do I want to gamble on going to free agency and seeing what I could get there? Well, of the two, I, I, I can't really, I, I see what you're saying. I, I can't see a reason not to qualify Engvall. Well, the only reason would be is if you're worried what arbitration is going to give him. But I, I, think I, I just that, don't like, think it's going to be that much. Like I, I looked worse. at this pretty closely. It's like two to 3% of the cap. So it's like, Two and change, something in that range. Worst worst case scenario, I think, for Engvall from our arbitrator is probably like low, like two or 2.1 million, which I think you can probably live with. Yeah. But if Kasha is getting two to two and a half million, or what if they both do, right? Like, what if they're both getting 2.3 or something? All of a sudden, like, the Leafs are really tight for cap space. And the problem with Kasha is not that he's not a good player. It's you just don't know how much he's going to be able to play. I, I can't see him getting that much based on how much he's played the last couple of years, no? But, you know, arbitration is going to look at, like, they're nope. going to make the case ice time, points per game, the fact that he's had to 20-goal season in the past. 
you know, you look at what I think a similar player to him is that Dennis Garyanov in Dallas who got $2.9 million for one year. Um, now, Garyanov hasn't had as many injuries, but also Kasha's numbers are, are better. So, I, but so, I don't so think let he's, me look at his numbers. So, this past year, he played 50 games. He had 14 goals, 27 points. The year before, he played three games. The year before that, he played 55 games and had seven goals and 24 points. The year before that, he played 30 games and had 11 goals and 20 points. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly the injuries are going to work again. I just think it's a bit of a wild card if you're the Leafs. You don't think he can get, I mean, I think he can get at least $2 million in, from an arbitrator. If, yeah, if Kasha was if Kasha was healthy and was playing all the games and was putting up that many points, he would be getting a lot of money. So the question is, missing the games he has, to what degree does that lower his contract? I just think if you're the Leafs, you you would rather get him signed before you get to the qualifying. It just makes it simple. But if you can't, then the question is, what do you do? Well, what would you offer him to try to entice him before qualifying? You've given me a good lesson in qualifying offers. I appreciate yeah, th- this. Well, this is why, remember last year, there were a bunch of guys that weren't qualified and the Leafs got a bunch of them. Like they, like Nick Ritchie Kampf, wasn't qualified. Kasha. David Kampf and Kasha, like they, th- those three guys all, because we put together, remember we put together our big list of forwards that who the Leafs could target and we missed on, we had bunting, right? But all the other ones were wrong because they ended up just going after these guys that weren't qualified. And Elliot Friedman's reported that there's going to be a bunch of players that aren't qualified this year. Well, I can tell you, James, I am not making that mistake again. My list this year includes lots of guys who may not be qualified. I've looked yeah. at it closely because a lot of the qualifying offers for some of these guys are just like well, absurdly Well, Bessers high. is seven and a half million. Well, the agents are structuring the deals like that now where to make the qualifying offer higher. That's not the case, as you said, with Engvall and Kasha. That's not the problem that the, the qualifying offer is high. But neither of those players is going to accept the qualifying offer as a contract. I wonder like what what you could like would you just try to offer Engvall a three year deal at like I don't know, two and a half, two point. I don't think they have the cap space to do that right now. Like I mean, I guess the problem is both of these guys are going to be UFA after one year or two, right? So like any contract you're going to offer over one year is going to be buying UFA years and that's going to get expensive and I guess what I where I'm at, James, I'm not I wouldn't be I wouldn't want to commit to Kasha. I, I think I'd be okay committing to Engval because like at worst he's a guy you can trade, right? Like in I don't know. He's well he's I useful. think if you start paying Engval two and a half million, you you really need him to be what he was last year. You need him to be like a thirty five point guy that plays on your third line. Like he only played thirteen minutes a game. Yeah, because like the first half of the year he spent more or as much on the fourth line as he did on the third line but then like second half of the year he was like pretty entrenched on the yeah. third line and really made it better but you're right like well, he is you a bit really of a wild have to card. believe you really have to believe that that's what he is and he's only done it for a half a season yeah he finished with 15 goals 35 points you're right like he is he's a bit of a wild card and he is like the definition of his career has been kind of a wild card like he's not been consistent or yeah i don't know Anyway, I do, it's interesting that, that you know that even these kind of like, and that that's sort of the thrust of the column that I wrote after the combine was like even these kind of like decisions you don't think about a whole lot are tricky for the Leafs to make. Yeah, man. Well, because if you don't qualify Engvall, what's he going to get on the open market? Probably a lot. Well, like and then other like, teams are going to like other teams are going to be like, I'll give you four years, and like you know because like the years of this big guy that. 
I think one of the things the Leafs could try and do with these guys is like is keep them with term. Like I wonder if Engvall, if, like you do like a remember the Kali Yarncroft that contract he signed with with Nashville was five years at two million. Like I wonder if something like that might make sense. Yeah, that's interesting. It's just like if you're gonna lose, just kind of punt on Engvall and. You're going to punt on Kasha and like Mikheyev, you're probably not bringing back because he's going to be yes, expensive. Suddenly, of a sudden, it's like your lineup is destroyed. All of a sudden, you have a lot of holes at forward, yeah. And I wonder with Kasha too, you asked me what you would offer. I wonder if you give him ter- – I mean, he's a guy that's missed so many games and missed out on so much money. Like maybe you give him three years at 1.6 or something and say, here's some security. Yeah, I don't here's some guarantee. Here- Here's some guaranteed money. Yeah, you're giving up some UFA years, but we're going to play you with some of our good players. You're going to reestablish yourself in the league. If he ends up hurt and on LTIR, the Leafs don't really care. Or if he ends up only playing, you know, two thirds of the season, it's okay because it's not that much money. And and make it a hard decision for Kasha. Like say, like you know, here's here's four and a half million dollars. If you get injured, you're guaranteed that money. Um, that's kind of what I might think about doing. I don't know if you're the agent, you might not say yes to that, but. He scares me though. Like he, you love the way he plays, but like he, the way he plays also, yeah. At least once a game, you're like, oh, 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 okay. Well, he's, right. he's or he's kama, not kamikaze or kama kamakasha. Yeah. He plays. It's so funny. Like it's like that line: your greatest strength is also your greatest weakness. Like he plays so hard, but it also yeah. puts him in these positions. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I know. And and the other part of this, like James, like even to bring it back to Campbell, is like until you kind of know what's going to happen with Mrazek, that's like a really big block of cap space that you need to. I know. think they're going to disappear Mrazek entirely. I, yeah. I I think they're going to be able to do it. Yeah, that that's my intuition there. Well, and that's the other reason to like make sure you know what you're doing with Campbell because like you don't want another situation like a year from now where you've signed Campbell for. X number of years and suddenly you're worried about that contract. So you got to be sure. Uh, anything else on my list here, James? I, I guess we should get overdue. to the pod bag. Uh, yeah, I think we're overdue for a break, Jonas. Okay, you get your break. We'll be back with the pod bag. Wings for the game. Boom, cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom, cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking a W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game-changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank member FDIC. Okay, James, it is pod bag time. A reminder to visit your local restaurants, support your local businesses, just like James and I do. Right, James? It's not the pandemic anymore, Jonas. I don't care. (laughs) Inflation Uh, is out of control, James. You know what? I, the one thing I've been doing that I would say is, you know, I, I've been tipping a lot better than I did before. Nice. I love because that. Every, everything that, you know, the servers and everything I've been through and that in the restaurant industry and all that, it's, I've been, I've been trying to be more generous. I like that, James. Good for you. That's, that's. Yeah, I know. It's not my natural nature because I'm a cheap old Scot, but. That's what we call a mitzvah. A good deed. Uh, 
So if if you get good service, hit that hit that twenty percent button if you can afford it. You, Jonas, I'll give you one guess. What do you think the number one and number two and number three question we're getting in the pod bank is this week? Goaltending. It's goaltending. It is. Peter W says, if Campbell leaves, what are the most realistic goaltending options for the Leafs? What do you think about? What do you think? Here's. Oh, let me throw this at you. What about Darcy Kemper is going to be UFA? He's had obviously a great season with Colorado. Does he interest you at all? Even though he's going to be get term and be expensive, and he's 32 years old. Those are the things you mentioned scare me. What about Vili Huso, who is completely unproven and has barely played in the league? What about Marc Andre Fleury? Does that seem like a possibility? I mean, the fact that he didn't seem inclined to want to come here before, now maybe that's different. Um, let's go through those one by one. So, Kemper, what do you think Kemper gets? Like four years minimum, right? Yeah, I would say like four years, five million probably. I think that probably makes sense given his age. So that would maybe, be maybe a little over five. I would consider that. That's that's a lot to commit to a guy who's not like super proven. At least he's at least he's been good. At least he's been good. And you're the Leafs. You're like you're really going for it the next two years. I mean, you get a guy who's at least somewhat proven. All right, so I'm I'm sort of okay with that. Like, what do you think? Who so costs? I have no idea. Like, yeah, I, you I, could I, you could tell me anything, right? Like, you could tell me he gets Walmart. You could. He's going to get something. I think he's going to get something silly because whatever team misses on Kemper is going to be like, we need a guy. And what I like about Huso, though, now, like you mentioned, he's very unproven. Like last year, he's played 57 NHL games. He was really good last year. He took the starting job from Jordan Bennington and lost it and then gained it back. What I do like, James, is like he's only 27. So, like, if you're, if you're gambling on someone, at least, like, there's some upside there and, like, you're not betting on a 32-year-old or, in Campbell's case, a soon-to-be 31-year-old. But, like, he's barely played. Who the hell knows what he is, right? He's big. Like, I like that, too. 6'5 every night? Yeah. No, 6'3 every night. The goat is 6'5. I wonder. I think the goat's a free agent, isn't he? Well, that that he's gonna he's gonna be a suitcase and bounce all over the league now. Yeah, he's a free agent. Do you know where he ended up at the end of last year? Wasn't he Arizona last year? Jersey. Oh, he was in New Jersey. He, yeah, he did. But play he was in Arizona, Arizona before that. Yeah. yeah, we and he was in the minors for a long stretch. Uh, Matt B says uh, he he's interested in us discussing what do players do in the off season? Like, what are the players doing right now? I saw. I think I saw someone posted on social media that Mitch Marner's in Italy or something like that. I'm sure they. They travel, they train. Um, there was a picture of Mitch Marner with JVR and who's the other guy? I can't remember. Who I do. It was. I confess, I do not follow their personal. Well, I don't look at Instagram, but some people sometimes people take the Instagram pictures and like put them on Twitter, and then sometimes Twitter like surfaces that like, oh, you're you might be interested in this here's Mitch Marner wearing a funny hat in Italy. And it's like, well, <laughs> I'm like not actually that interested in that, but it, like the algorithm's trying to figure out what I want to look at. It was, it was Marner and JVR and another Leaf player. I can't remember who it was. And I think they were in Italy and they were all dressed up and Mitch Marner had like this big blue hat on. And that was like a, that was like a talking point on Twitter one day. Well, why not? Why not so anyway, travel? okay. 
did I finish the question? No. Uh, Matthew B says, uh, I'd love to hear what happens in, you know, like, do they, how much do they take vacation? Do they do strength training? Do they do skating? It's a little bit different for every guy, but I know some of the hardcore guys really don't take that much time off. Like they'll, they'll go on like a vacation. They, they like to go to, they, they like to go to like places in like the Caribbean, like, like, uh, Cayman Islands or like, what's the place down in Mexico, the Baja, they like to go down there and, you know party for a little bit and and a lot of players have weddings because they're at that age right they're like they're, there's been a a few leafs have gotten engaged over the last couple of weeks uh uh colin blackwell and uh and i think alex kerfoot i think have both gotten engaged over the last little while um there's lots of so congratulations to them there's lots of player weddings that they go to so there's a lot because they're you know late 20s there's there's babies being born um so there's a lot of that kind of stuff for them. They they do a lot of like their their life milestones happen now, but often it's like two or three weeks off, and then it's back in the gym, pretty hardcore and working with your trainer like five days a week. Um, you know, maybe you're up at the lake on the weekends or at your cottage and working out up there and stuff like that. I think that that's become more common where guys. There's a, you know, where I'm from out in BC, there's a whole bunch of players that are out at the lakes there. The Most of them are down in Kelowna on Okanagan Lake, but some of them are in the Chushwap Lake. Um, you know, and they, they work out at your lake place and have a gym there. And then you're, then you get out on your sea dew or whatever and burn around the lake. Like it's a pretty good, it's, uh, bad. it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good way to live. Well, and some guys go home, right? Like Neander, I know, has, spends his off seasons or has in Sweden. I think Sandy and Lilligren are probably similar yeah most of the european guys go go home yeah because it's a you know it's a long season to not see people and stuff like that uh that's that's it but i mean you know there's a lot of a lot of them are just here right like they're just in toronto as well some of them yeah yeah well when i used to live downtown i know you still live downtown used to see players like oh there's there's mike commissary walking his dog or Remember you and I were in the park with my son that one day and Rich Clune walked by and we was talking to us yeah. and like you just, you know, you, you see, you see player, I've, I've seen players at the, I remember one time Cody Franzen was at the grocery store and you just see them around, right? If you live downtown where a lot of them live. Adam wants to know, is there potential for Josh Hosang to appear in 2022-23? I'm going to say no. I don't think... I don't think he's going to make the Leafs, and I don't even think he's going to be back with the Marlies. I don't know how much there is to add that. Like, if there was a if if they had any inclination to bring him to the NHL, it would have been last year, right? Like they had opportunity. He had decent production with the Marlies. Like there was reason if you wanted him in the NHL to bring him to the NHL, right? <laughs> how about this question? Connor wants to know. Uh, can you guys talk about how Toronto is the best team that the Lightning Dynasty has played in the playoffs, and it's yeah. not close? What he's talking about is if you look at at how close that series was, and more specifically, how many goals the Leafs scored in that series against the Lightning. They scored more goals against the Lightning than any other team in a series I believe has managed over the last three years. It came right down like it was decided by a goal. They actually had one more goal than Tampa. So you know what they get for that, Jonas? They get a gold star sticker. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to look at uh, what the the shots and goals were in that Rangers series because it felt like Tampa dominated that series. 
Yeah. Let's see. Wow, the goals were actually pretty close. Especially later in the series, Tampa. It is like once once it with it got back to once it got well, didn't the Rangers win by a lot in in the early yeah, one of so the early the goals games? Game were one or sixteen fourteen for uh Tampa, but the shots were Yeah, well, Shesterkin was I think it was like thirty five on average to twenty eight or something. I mean, t- the the two best teams in the league are in the final. I mean, this is the final that it doesn't always work out this way. Like the last two years, we've had Montreal and Dallas in the, in the final. Well, you know what, James? Like one thing I've been thinking just in terms of like rosters and like what they're going to do and like looking at all these free agents and trade candidates. One thing I'm thinking of now is like, could this player play in that series against Tampa? Or could they play yeah. in this series against Colorado? And and make a difference, right? Because and make a difference because I'm looking at like some of the fourth liners and third liners who are playing for Tampa and Colorado. It's like these are like they're they're players. They're not just like guys that like you have to hide. You know what I mean? Like there's they they give you something. And I think you could look and and like we said, that series was super close with Tampa. But you could look at the bottom of the Leafs lineup, and there are some players where you're like they they don't belong in this series. Like they're they're overmatched. Yep. Yep. Yeah, the Leafs didn't have at the bottom of of their forward group. They didn't have they didn't have enough there. You know what I mean? Like they even like I'm they watching like, guys they could trust in like nine or ten minutes a game. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm watching like Nico Sturm run around and like Logan O'Connor. Like a, he's a young guy, but like he's on their fourth line. Like Alex Newhook doesn't Leafs play a ton, have- but like he's he looks like he's going to be really good. Go ahead. I, I, it, even like that, like Bellamere plays hard and yes. like. You know. And can play. And Corey Perry yeah. can still play. Like he can move up. Darren Helm is like Darren Helm, I think, ranked number one on my next Jason Spetzelist. Like he's 35, but like he can still play. I think the Leafs are gonna sign Jonas. You know, if you look at my latest cap projection that was on my my column last week, uh subscribe to the athletic today. <laughs> uh now part of the New York Times. Um did you see Jonas? They announced the, the other day that uh, if you're an all access subscriber to the New York Times, you get access to the Athletic. It's pretty cool. I that's did a new not thing. See that's that. that is that's cool. a new th- yeah. So we're starting to get uh, some New York Times readers are showing up in our Leaf stories. Uh, welcome to the the new new people signing up. Hopefully, you're listening to the podcast too. Uh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, in my latest piece, I talked about how I think they're going to have to sign two and probably three forwards cheap forwards to fill out the third and fourth line. Uh, so they're going to be bargain hunting again, and they're going to need to hit on, on some of those guys the way they did last year. The good news is like from looking at this pretty closely, there are a lot of guys that I think make some sense. They're not in the, yeah, that's all I'll say. I think that there are some guys who make some sense in that department. On that note, Terrence wants to know what's the best way for the Leafs to get over the hump. And why is it the return of Josh Levo? Josh Levo, one of the guys in your list? No, he did not make my list. Is he a free agent? I didn't even see. I've gone through literally every team's free agents. He's he's bounced around quite a bit. He's had he's unfortunately had some some poor injury luck the last few years. Yeah, he wow, I totally forgot he played in Carolina last year. Well, I guess he played only seven games. Was he was he in the HL or was he hurt? No, actually, you're right. He was in the HL. Almost a pointy game in the HL. Well, I mean, he's, he's Guess how old he is that now. league. I don't know, 31? 29, geez. Yeah. Time feels flies. like he's been around a long time. Feels like he's been around a long time. 
Uh, Rob wants to know what sort of trade value do you think Alex Kerfoot has? Uh, what would you look for if he was traded? Uh, coming off a productive season, it would be nice to get something for him rather than losing him to free agency next summer. I, I understand the sentiment, but I'm, I'm sort of a bit like, like you were talking about earlier, Jonas. I'm sort of a bit worried that the Leafs aren't going to have enough forwards. And if you're subtracting Kerfoot, you're going to have, I don't know. And I, I, he's one of those guys, too, that I think might be undervalued by other teams, right? Like, I don't think there's another team that's like, oh, yeah, I got to get Kerfoot. You know, I, I'm going to trade something good for him. Well, and, and that's, I think, a really good point. And they've come to really value him. Like, and you can see why. Like, he, he, he's no, he's low maintenance. He can do a lot of different things. He can play center. He can play wing. He can play on the power play. He can kill penalties. He's a good penalty killer. Um, and I was thinking even last night, like, could he play in this series? Absolutely, right? Like, well, some fans are very, very bitter, upset about Kerfoot over. Well, you know the he had not the, some the, good moments in the playoffs. Yeah, at key times. So key times for sure. He's there's going to be like a redemption story there if he comes back, where he's going to have to. It's you know he had such a good season. He was really good in the playoffs against Montreal the year before. Like he was one of their best players. Remember Tavares goes down and he steps up on the second line and yep. like. Uh. And then just a couple, two bad mistakes. That was game six, right? Yeah. Where he had the mistakes. Well, and the tough thing, James, like it's it's hard. Like, so is he worth three and a half million? Maybe. But it's like if you move him, like now you've got to replace him as well, right? And you like you look at their forward group, is like how many of these guys are for sure back? Matthews, Tavares, Marner, Neander, yes. Camp, yes. Bunting, yes. Engvall and Kasha, we just outlined, maybe. Uh, Simmons, I don't think, is a regular NHLer. Abruzzi's not a regular NHLer. Clifford's not a regular NHLer. Like, no, they got like five holes, potentially. They got a lot of holes. Yeah. And they also have one hall. <laughs> who, who also could become... A hole yeah, if they so decide to this move is him, one, right? of the, one of the tidbits is I think that Justin Hall will potentially be moved. And and I also believe, based on talking to people, I think that the Leafs are going to keep Jake Muzzin. Well, it's good you mention him. I'm going to write about him at some point. I think it's a really interesting decision. I'm. I, let me let me upgrade from I think is like I I'm fairly sure they're going to keep Muzzin and potentially trade Hall. I think that that's the way. And then try to add another defenseman. I I wouldn't shock me if they try and bring Labushkin back. As like the seventh D, depending on what that what he costs. I think that is a really interesting decision. I do not think that is that should. I'm not sure. It, I'm not sure about that. Like I think you're. I I believe what you're saying. I'm just not sure it it makes the most sense. I guess is where I'm at. He played really well in the playoffs. But you mean Hall? No, mean Hall? I, I mean Muzzin. Oh yeah. Right, 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 right. I think that's a really well, fascinating decision. I think the the playoffs is a huge part of that decision is that he came back and looked. Uh, the, the thinking is going to be if Muzzin stays, which I think he is, the thinking is going to be they just don't have another player like him. and They don't. No, that's true. Yeah, and they're not going to be able to replace the element that he brings. Yeah. Th- that's, that's one of the... I'll save my that, thoughts, but that's a good tidbit. That's more than a tidbit. I'm not guaranteeing nothing, but... What's bigger than a tidbit? 
a Timbit. Have you tried the Timbeebs, James? Uh, yeah, they're good. Those came out a long time ago, didn't they? Yeah, they're good. I know my kids love my kids love Tim Hortons. I spent a lot of time at Tim Hortons because my son started playing hockey last year, so I was there a lot more than I normally am. Yeah, you said I think you told me you're like a, a apple cooler guy yeah, or something. Ap- fritter, fritter, an apple fritter. Hmm. Uh, we're running low on time, so let's try and do lightning round here. Okay, okay. let's see. I think we can move a little bit faster. I got about five minutes here. Uh, Dallas. T wants to know, are there realistic options to acquire a 2C if they decide John Tavares needs to move to the wing? It depends how much money they have to spend. Anyone out there you like? I mean, Andrew Kopp could potentially be interesting, but he's probably going to get like a huge amount of money. Yes, he's going to get a huge amount of money. I mean, like another guy who's out there, I don't know if he makes sense. I Like Ryan Strom is out there. There's just not. Mm-hmm. You need There's money. You need money. <laughs> like, I don't know who you're going to get for nothing. It sounds like me talking to my kids. <laughs> it costs you money. money. You, yeah. They're, they're so baffled by the concept. It's kind of funny. No, no, we don't unroll the whole roll of toilet paper and throw it all over the house. <laughs> the toilet paper costs money. Someone took a tree down for that toilet paper. It's like you, you just turn into your parents. So like, when they start doing things like putting a whole roll of toilet paper in the toilet for no reason. Steven wants to know, and this is another question a lot of people were asking, while I understand the organization and Dubas believe Keefe is their guy, is there any chance they would let him go if a specific coach became available? It sounds like this question is motivated by the fact that, you know, Cassidy became available. Cassidy's ended up in Vegas. A lot of good coaches, a lot of experienced coaches available. Uh, Barry Trotz, uh, DeBoer, De uh, it sounds like Tortorella is going to go to the the Flyers. There's like the coaching carousel this offseason is very, very interesting. Um, the Leafs really believe that they have one of the best coaches in the league. So that's that's really the answer to that. You know, and, and the thing is, is that coaches get let go so frequently that there's probably going to be good, good coaches available next year too if they do decide to make a change there. But the pool is pretty good. Like you, so Pierre had, yeah. Pierre LeBron had a story at the Athletic, kind of going through every candidate. It's like DeBoer. You mentioned Claude Julien's available. Travis Green. Mm-hmm. We'll see how good he is. Jeff Blashill, same. Joel Quenville, Rick Bonus, Rick Tockett, mm-hmm. Jim Montgomery, Paul Maurice. You mentioned Torts, Dave Tippett, mm-hmm. Alain Villon. Other man, coach. so like. It's like the retread hour. Like, it's just amazing. And Pierre also did a good story on, like, the up-and-coming coaches that should get a chance that I encourage people to look at because those guys often don't get talked about because people don't know who they are. You know, like, the Islanders went with Lane Lambert as a head coach. It's not uh, not a sexy headline there. No. Well, clearly, that's why they decided to fire Trotz. Or fire? Fire? Did he need a new contract? can't remember. Uh, Yeah, he was fired. He had he had time, term left on his contract. Yeah. Right. Because he had a pretty long contract, right? He'd only been there, I believe. Yeah. And they wouldn't have run him out to the last year of his deal. Like, that's just not how it works with guys like that. Uh, although that is what happened to him in Washington. So maybe I shouldn't say that. Uh, Brad wants to know, I've heard references to guys who have a seat at Kyle Dubas's table. Who has a seat? <laughs> that's uh, af- after the exit meetings, what does the process in an NHL head office look like? And does Carlton the Bear get a say? Brad, you were doing such a good job with this question, and then you threw in the Carlton the Bear thing at the end and kind of ruined it, I got to say. 
Who do you think has a seat? I mean, it's a it's a big front office. There's a lot of people. I mean, you know, we saw some of it on Amazon. You could see, but we see it around the rink. You can see who's who's in the inner circle, right? Because they're often around Kyle Dubas. Yeah, I would say the number like right hand man is Brandon Pridham. Yes. Well, at the combine, it was it was Dubas and Pridham were yeah. inseparable. Yes. I've had people tell me that they think Pridham is the most valuable of the other people in the front office for everything that he does. I mean, Pridham's probably going to get poached as a GM at some point. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you, right? Why wouldn't you? I mean, Lawrence Gilman, as see the table, Brandon Shanahan, uh, Daryl Metcalf, who's, you know, the, the analytics guy I see around quite a bit. Wes Clark. Uh, Wes Clark is another one. Yeah. Some of these people probably fans don't hear about as much, but. Anyone else that we see around a lot? I mean, when it comes to the draft time, sometimes you see more of like the development people and stuff like that are around. It's a big, big front office though. I mean, sometimes the entourage that, that Dubas has is is significant. It's almost like a rapper or something. <laughs> a rapper. <laughs> and you know, you know nothing about pop culture, do you? Rappers have entourages, don't they? I remember. I remember back in the 90s, like they did, like Biggie and those guys. Wow. I See, never I'm, thought you'd, I'm you'd be the guy who would make a Biggie reference. Let's move on. A t- Tupac? How big's Tupac's entourage? See, I'm, I'm current. Was that like 1993 references? <laughs> uh, let's, let's go. Let's end with this. Uh, AC wants to know, uh, would New Jersey trade the second overall pick for William Nylander? I love 88. But the trade makes sense if we can attach Morazic to it. I, lo- I love these like fan trade concepts. He says we're not, probably not going to be able to afford Nylander and Matthews on their next on their next contracts. So maybe they should look at, at moving him. It doesn't make sense for the Leafs to trade one of their best players for a draft pick that's not going to be, especially you know this draft. These players aren't going to be ready right away. Yes. So that's a that's a huge downgrade on your roster losing Nylander. Yes, you make your team. Sometimes people underestimate. I mean, well, I guess you could use the cap space to sign someone else, but like, that's a really big gamble. Yeah, he's just looking at it. And like, if you move Nylander's contract and you move Mrazek's contract, then you got eleven million dollars to like do something with. Nylander's not going to get traded either. I've, I, you know, I've had people ask me that. I, they're not going to trade him. I mean, I think if you're going to trade Nylander, probably next summer would be the time to do it when he's only down to one year left on his deal. Yeah, have you? Do you have any uh, opinion on who should be the number one pick? I've just been reading a lot of the articles at the Athletic. I I didn't Not realize really. it was going to be. I mean, how s- would I know? I haven't I haven't watched the guys that much. I know that our our scouts Corey Pronman and Scott Wheeler are kind of. It's a big debate, and on Corey Pronman's last list, he had the uh, Slavkovsky. I think his name Sla- is. Sla- yeah, Slavkovsky. He had him number one, and it was a bit of a it was a bit of a moment. Interesting. No, I don't have an opinion. I'm really looking forward to the draft, though. We're going to have all of our staff there, and it's going to be it's going to be really fun. It really uh, isn't great when you get the number one pick, and like there's not like like you get really lucky yes. when you have the number one pick. It's just Matthews, and you're just like, okay, thanks. But it, like when well, like, the Leafs got very lucky that it was Matthews. Very that year. Lucky. He's he's ended up even better than yes we thought at the time. I mean, it's it's Connor Bedard next year, right? Like I think next year's there's probably going to be like a mad tank for for next year. Yeah. It's part of why like teams like Chicago and that are going to be brutal. It just makes such like a, a massive like it changes your franchise. Like the Raptors got the number one pick and it was Bargnani. 
And it's like, oh boy, <laughs> like that's just not. Was there no one else picked that was any good though? There were, but like none who were like number one. Like Rudy Gay was like a top five pick, and like anyway, not not guys who are like super. The quality duper does really really vary in the draft for sure. And this year is one of the years where you're going to get a good player. Like I think Shane Wright and Slavkovsky and these, like these guys are going to be good, but they're not. They're pro- people aren't projecting them to be. Super duper stars. Heart trophy winners, basically, right? I mean, they, they could... I think the thing with Shane Wright, and the, like, honestly, I haven't seen him play that much, but the thing is, like, the the concern is, like, how high is his ceiling? Like, he's going to be a, he's gonna be a good player, but... Yes. Is he going to be, like, a star? All right, you got to go. If you haven't subsigned, signed up, subscribed. I was combining the words. Signed up for The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash leaf report. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week or the week after. I'm not sure. We haven't talked about it yet. Bye, James. 